Hey, everybody. We're back. It's John, and I am coming to you uh, via the Deconstructionist Studio. I'm sitting here in the dark recording this intro to tell you all about our guest this week. So uh, to kick things back off for the second half of uh, the 2017 season, we have um, somebody who, uh, who I know quite well. He happens to be my brother-in-law. And the reason we have him on the show this week is because Kevin is a comedian out of New York City, um, and he has worked very hard on a set that he's been touring uh, around the country. He's done a small uh, small tour here in the, in the Midwest. I uh, did some dates here in Columbus, Ohio, Nashville, um, uh, Pittsburgh, and, and some other areas, as well as a ton of dates in New York City, getting ready to go over to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. So um, you'll hear us talk about it a little bit later. But for those of you that are from the UK, uh, specifically Scotland, um, if you like some comedy, Kevin's doing like 25 shows for free over there. Um, he's, he's performing. He's going to be over there for pretty much a month, the better part of a month. So um, it's an awesome show. It's called The 30-Year-Old Virgin. It is really funny. Um, it's got some really cool stories in it that uh, he pulls from his from his own life um, that uh, that we talk about a little bit in this episode. So um, main reason we, we had him on, uh, beyond just you know being my brother-in-law and being a really funny human being, um, we talk about the art of comedy and and how it can be used uh, in a therapeutic sense and um, just how how important comedy is and and how just important laughing is in general. So we talk about um, yeah we talk about the art of comedy and and how Kevin got into it and uh, uh, talk about some cool stories. So uh, a light episode. So kick back and enjoy, um, and then we'll be back in two weeks. So from here on out, we'll be here the rest of the year. Uh, we've got some really awesome episodes we have already recorded. That we cannot wait to share with you guys that we think you're going to enjoy. So thanks for coming back and uh, thanks for allowing us a month off uh, to kind of rest and relax and recharge. Um, and uh, we promise it'll be worth it. So uh, without further ado, Kevin James Doyle. I think we did it. John, you did it. Yes. <laughs> we got to leave that in just so we can always remember the time that we actually got this right on the first try. <laughs> you, you'd think after a year and a half, we'd finally figure out how to set up our own equipment, but it's okay. We're, we're, I love that we suck at this. <laughs> I love it. We're not good technology nerds, but we're, we're just good at talking and babbling. So, you know, you're excellent at selecting an evening beverage for me though. <laughs> Thank you. I give you choices. So anyway, we're drinking today yes, on, this, on this episode because and, yep. this is a special kind of different episode. Uh, we have here my brother-in-law, the Kevin James Doyle, who also happens to be a comedian from New York City. Um, so he's the first comedian we've ever had on. Obviously, we've had tons of authors, bloggers, um, musicians, philosophers, scientists, but we've never done a comedian. Why? I don't know. We love comedy. We're not... We're not funny. No. <laughs> Plenty of people have told us that. <laughs> Didn't I get, I feel like I was, I was this close to, to getting beat out by Pete Holmes. Is that true? That's pretty true. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty true. <laughs> 
technically you did, but <laughs> that's 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 accurate. <laughs> he, he doesn't come to Ohio very often, apparently. Well, so we had <laughs> anyway. That's 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 for behind the scenes. <laughs> for, th- yeah. There's a long story to that. Yeah. So anyway, technically welcome, though, welcome you were. But we were supposed to do this last year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I so, think so, so yeah. So you were kind of our first pick, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I think last year my trips always get. I mean. It, Whenever I come home, it's always gets packed pretty quickly with stuff to do. And I think there was like three days left and it was like, oh yeah, we, it takes like actual time to, to record <laughs> this and time before and like after and stuff. So it was like, uh, so we just, so we just waited, yeah. but it's now's a much better time to do it. I think. We carved it out this time, yeah, man. This we went perfect. after, we made it a priority. Yeah. Just like, exactly. Yeah. Just like family ordeals should be. So you, so you're John's brother-in-law. Yes. And tell you live in New York. I live, you don't live in this wonderful state of Ohio. No, I, I, I grew up in Columbus, uh, moved to uh, North Canton, northeastern Ohio uh, in like fourth grade, and then moved, went to school in Pittsburgh for theater. And then in 2008, I moved to uh, Brooklyn, New York. And then while I was in college, my parents moved back to Columbus. So when I come home, I come to Columbus, but I don't have any high school friends or anything from this area. So I end up getting to spend all the time with my family and like all catch up. All the time with your family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, what, how wonderful. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. All the time with your family. Oh, We man. all know how that goes. It, yeah. It's like good and a lot at the same time. It's um, six days. Six days is perfect. And anything more than that can be good. But it's one of those things. It's like, all right, I have to like go hang out with other people. Mm-hmm. Or I have to like go have a day by myself. Oh, yeah. I'm going to do, you know longer than longer than a week but uh <laughs> and as we're going to get into here you grew up in like a like a traditional like fundamentalist and, and i don't know about you but like so did i yeah and in traditional fundamentalist families um guilt is readily available yeah guilt is <laughs> readily available especially <laughs> like holidays vacations things like that oh you you're, you're going to go where you're going to go do what <laughs> yeah it's like like who what do you, what do you mean <laughs> i made meatloaf <laughs> i know yeah no it's 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 uh it's easy to come home when you have everything scheduled, but then, like I said, if it's anything longer than than that, and it's just like I'm gonna go get coffee. I think last year I was like, I'm gonna go to a coffee shop for an hour. And I was like, and do what? I'm like, and just read. She's like, okay. <laughs> do you want anyone to come? I'm like, no, no, that's <laughs> no, I wouldn't at all. Wait, <laughs> did, I just said I was gonna go to a coffee shop to read. Why, do you want someone to come watch you read? Why, why, would I, yeah. <laughs> why would I want anybody to be there for that except <laughs> strangers? Yeah. 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 So, um, so yeah, I've lived in New York for, I think, uh, nine, nine years now. Yeah. That's crazy. You made it. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> what they say. It's funny. Every year it gets, people are obsessed with like, um, cause it is a difficult place to live in some ways. But so I think like one of the major reasons to live there is like, some sort of point of, of pride. And so if you have like, <laughs> people will just be like, yeah, I want you to do three years. You're like a real New York. And then each time you get to that point, you just find another group of people that I'm like, yeah, nine years. So I guess like I'm a real New Yorker. They're like, no, it's 10 years. Oh. So, but I think 10 years is kind of unarguable and unless you, uh, inarguable, whatever, unless you're like interacting with some like native that's like, it doesn't matter. If you have 20 kids here for 45 years, if you weren't born here, you're nothing. So, right. so I think 10 years is like a big, pretty big milestone. So that's next September. So, so you went out to New York. Mm-hmm. John, see, I'm just getting to know you. So this yeah, is, yeah, yeah. I didn't plan on this happening. I thought John was going to run the show here, but like I'm finding myself <laughs> going, 
I don't know jack squat about you, man. So like, yeah, you, you went to New York for theater comedy. Like, I know you're a comedian. Yeah, I am. You're gonna be. You're gonna be funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I keep waiting. I am. <laughs> yeah, I I I moved um I moved there for acting. I didn't even really like I do stand up now. Mm-hmm. Um and but I didn't even really like stand up until I just needed wanted some other outlet besides acting cuz I moved there and I did a lot of like children's theater mm. and I did um I did let's see I did this play called Nate the Great and it's like a, it's a children's book series. I, I remember that children's yeah, yeah, book series. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I did a, a tour of that like around the country and I played Sherlock Holmes. So I like taught Nate like how to be a great detective. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, it, was, it was fun. And then I did a few other things, but then it was like once you were there, you're just like, oh, I'm just like, I'm just an actor that you get cast in a play and you're just hoping to do anything. So I was like, I need to do something where I have my own like yes. creativity. Yes. And you can be you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, I, and so I did started doing stand up. I think six, six years ago. And it was after a few years of like some success and some jobs and this, but just being like, you know, I don't, I need to do something else that is just getting, and every role I've ever had was, was pretty comedic. Mm-hmm. And I'm always been like, in auditions or whatever, like more natural being funny than being dramatic. I, in high school, I wanted so bad after a few plays that I did, I was like, I want to be dramatic. I want to be, and they were doing West side story. And I was like, I want to be Tony so bad, not riff. Cause riff is like kind of comic relief. And then I got cast as Tony. And like, I remember what it was like the principal, her name was Mrs. Savage. And she came up and she was just like, you were uh, you were so good in Greece last year, Kevin. It was so. This is a different thing for you, and because I, I was just like, just like wasn't good. If I'm being funny on stage, like I f- can feel like I'm myself or whatever. Sure. And literally, just like in Talladega Nights, the second I have to be serious on stage, I'm just like, I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm getting better at that, and actually, just like being an adult and getting older helps with that. But seriously, I remember. In West Side Story, I was like, how do you be serious on stage? And I just like furrow my brow and just be like, yell. <laughs> I feel like that's the whole paradox of like comedy though. So side, side note, deep, mm. deep, you know, dive into like, you know, all this, all this crap for a second. So like, I, I imagine as an artist doing comedy, you're sitting here, you're like, I'm a good actor. I'm a thespian. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm, I'm good at this stuff. <laughs> yeah. But like as, as a comedic relief, you feel like you're probably not being taken seriously. You're like, you're just the slapstick yeah. guy. But like comedy is so valuable. Yeah. I think, I think when you look, it's so obvious to just be like, look at Robin Williams. Look at, but if, when you look at all of any great comedic actor, like yeah. if they have age with them, yeah. like in maturity, yeah. then they're, they can do anything. I mean, in my in my show, I talk about um, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and Philip Seymour Hoffman is so funny. If oh you, my gosh, dude! Along came Polly. Yeah, I yeah. talk about that yeah. in my show. <laughs> he does. Rainmaker. <laughs> <laughs> the best man is in the house. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, he and plays the part of Jesus and Judas. Yes, in the community play of Jesus Christ Superstar, <laughs> and he because he fires the other guy, and he hires oh, he hires the E Entertainment 
like crew to follow. No, he follow, He hires a fil- filmmakers yes, yes. to pretend yeah, they're doing an e Yeah. See, I was gonna go. I was gonna go the Big Lebowski. That moment it. where oh, he yeah. he does the nervous laugh. <laughs> yeah. See, I I mean, I could nerd out hardcore with acting stuff and be like, you watch him. I think Jack Black's a good actor too. Yes. But there are points where you can tell that he is just like. He, when he turns on the funny, he's there to be funny. Yeah. And there's the type, because they actually got called back for all the same roles for like the first 10 years of their career. I can career. totally see really? that. Yeah. No, there's a similarity. I got them confused initially, like years yeah. and years and years ago. Yeah. And they kind of went down like, I guess more separate, separate, like you can see the differences in their career now, certainly now, um, because, <laughs> because Phillips more often passed away, yeah, which is sad. we did. That's true. Um, but the, and I, I think Jack Black's at least thought about it. I've read some really dark stuff. I seriously, really? yeah. oh yeah, yeah. I read an article a long time ago about like just massive struggles with anxiety and depression. Yeah. Be, being completely serious. Yeah. 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 I, I don't think there's. I think sometimes there's the dramatic. Well, the thing with Philip Seymour Hoffman is that I was going to say is that he, like, I think that probably on the set of Along Came Polly or of Big Lebowski, if you're like, dude, where'd that joke come from? He'd probably be like, I actually like have a whole backstory and I'm so committed to this character that it's serious to him. Yeah. Like, the yeah, Along yeah. Came Polly character is so over the top, but there is a realism of it yes. that's just like, man, that guy's. He, it seems like he's taking this oh, really so good, seriously. Man. That's so good. That's and the I, kind of stuff we never think about. And that's why when you, I think when you watch it, I think that's why people are like, listen, that's not a great movie, but if you go back, that's good. Rather than it just, you getting the laugh in the movie and then it's over and then you never think about it again. Like people could still watch that and be like, who was that dude? That You're just not surprised that you're like, oh yeah, he's like one of the greatest actors of all time. Of all time. And if that was his only movie, you'd be like, there's something about that dude. Same with, do you know Mark Rylance? Did you watch Bridge of Spies? And yeah. he's in Dunkirk? Yeah. Which No, um, I really want to see Dunkirk. Not I Dunkirk can't wait. Yet, but yeah, in I know Bridge, who you're talking about. In Bridge of Spies, he won an Academy Award for, for Bridge of Spies. And it was one of the first movies that he ever did. And my uncle called me and was like, there's this new, this guy in Bridge of Spies. I've never seen him before. His name's Mark Rylance, and he's been the head of the Globe Shakespeare Company in, yep. in England for like 40 years. <laughs> Doesn't he think that, that, that Shakespeare actually didn't, like, it was maybe a community of writers and not actually Shakespeare that read it? Isn't he in that club? I, oh, is he? Is he he the, might. Like I'd have the to research. Anonymous club? Yeah. Like, like yeah, yeah, Shakespeare yeah, didn't yes. write his own stuff? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I swear I read that recently. I wonder. I, I would have be wrong to, I'd have to read what, what he said about that. Um, there are some I heard compelling that. arguments, by the way. Yeah. We can talk about that later. I'm, we, sure, I'm sure John's listened to a few podcasts about it. <laughs> there, you know, a, a lot of heavy reading. By the way, <laughs> for our Patreon, I just had another idea. And since we're recoding now, mm-hmm. you know. Right around the time the may, Patreon may, will be coming this, out. Maybe this will be happening. Yeah. I think that you should carefully curate podcasts for people. I think that should be your job. <laughs> you know podcasts better than anybody. Oh, Like stop. you could buy a pod, like someone, someone purchases yeah. like John... Yeah. We'll make a podcast. John. A one episode or or a full series? He will curate (laughs) podcast episodes just for you. Oh. If that was a job, that would be amazing. That's really good. I'll make you a mixtape of podcasts. You know what's funny? I used to enjoy making mixtapes. So there's a parallel there. (laughs) The mixtape, sadly. Yeah. It's so good. No, what what you made me think of just a second ago though is is, um, my dad and I used to always talk about the fact that we really felt like, like some of the best comedians always seem to translate well to film. Mm. 
Especially oh, yeah. like drama. Like I think of like Robin Williams, for example. Absolutely. The first time I saw him in a drama. Eddie Murphy. And I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Or like, um, there was another comedian. I, I Mar- Michael of. Keaton started off as a stand-up. Yeah, I believe it. I believe He's it. hilarious. And you, if you watch his, his stand-up now, like it's like his last time he did stand-up was like 1988. You could watch it now and you'd be like, those are funny jokes. Yeah. Like he. He's got great comedic timing. And then, and then you look at it now, you're like, oh yeah, you're one of the great. Actors of all time. You're mm-hmm. Batman. Yeah. And Birdman. Birdman. Batman, Birdman, and Ray Kroc. That's true. Very good. <laughs> Another superhero. Multiplicity uh, is... Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> she touched my peepee, Steve. <laughs> so, okay. So, so film to comedy. You mm-hmm. started to find some real value in comedy. Yeah. And, and actually, that's why you're on the show, too, because, you know, we're going to get into some of your, like, fundamentalist story, mm-hmm. race, race fundamentalist all that kind of stuff. And like, you know, for a lot of our listeners, this is like a heartbreaking, even listening to the deconstructionist podcast, they're like, well, here I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And, and you know, sometimes it's good to have the laugh because you can either laugh or cry. Yeah. True. So I, I mean, I'll say the, the show that I'm doing, I'm taking a show to Edinburgh French and I'll be there a week. What are the now. dates? Uh, August 3rd to August 27th. Whoa. Um, every night, an hour of stand-up. Oh my gosh! My show's called the Thirty-Year-Old Virgin, and That's awesome. I and the poster is amazing. It's a pretty good poster. It, it is a good awesome. poster. It's it good. was not it's me. A good, it's a good poster. Sarah Cobb, her music S C E S S S E E. She's a musician, and she designed the poster. And my roommate Jeremy Stanley, who is a photographer, yeah, um, he did the like. I had nothing to do with the poster. They. I mean, they're, they're both brilliant and I've had so many, so many opportunities because people saw the poster and I was like, if the show's as good as the poster, cause the show wasn't done yet. Now you like, have to live up to the poster. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'll be there from the first to the 27th at, um, called Southside Social with the Edinburgh French. So. Killer, man. So for all our Scottish listeners. Yeah. Okay. UK in general, man, if you're UK. making it over to the French festival, you need to go see Kevin James Doyle. I would, go I would support. love to have you guys there. Go support. Um, He'll but, be wearing a deconstructionist t-shirt. Yeah, at least, that's right. At, at I least, will. At least once. Or holding a pint glass. <laughs> yeah, I will. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, can turn into a button-up if we need to. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We got this. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that it's so, it sounds cliche, and it, I guess, is cliche, but Cliches are okay. Truth, but because yeah. they're, they come they're from true. Truth. Yeah. But like... There's not a single, every single decent joke or story I've come up with, even after being doing stand-up for a while, has usually been someone being like, you should tell that on stage. And I'm like, no. And then <laughs> they go up and I'm like, you know what's crazy about cups is, and then people are like, don't care because you don't care about cups or right, your, your dumb right, joke that you're like, right. traffic is insane. And then you say the thing to like, that people told you should, and then that's, that's where you get like the response. You're not Mitch Hedburn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, he could do that. Yeah. It's, it's true, but it's Nobody like, he knows how huh? this is, this is like the 60 minutes of those stories of people be, of me being like, ah, I don't know. Like I, I, it took a long, it took a long time. I've obviously like anyone who's performing, I'm like, I want lots of people to see me and buy tickets and sure. Want all the success. And then, but then, you have this like aversion towards like being actually personal on stage. Sure, man. Which is how that happens, you know? Yep. So, um, so yeah, yeah, all of this, all of the stuff I talk about in the show is very much like, I don't think I want to talk about this on stage. But then once you do, you're like, oh yeah, that's like, 
that's the real, that's where the good stuff is, you know? Yep. 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 So, um, you gotta be you. Yeah. And, and all of, I think almost, geez, the, the beginning, middle and end of the show, there's like three different parts that were like the most painful parts of my life, (laughs) you know, that are like, Oh yeah. That was like, I think I, I think I cried like 42 times during those months of that. Where the story is. That's like why everyone is like totally flocking to this guy right Mm -hmm. now because he's just ripping his chest open and saying like, can we just all please laugh at this pain because yeah. it makes it feel valuable and it makes it feel like it's worth something and it's unifying and it's communal yeah. and it's beautiful. Yeah. And I think there's a, I think people are starting to tell the difference between, um, between or anyone you'll, you'll see that there's like being personal and there's being, I don't know what even the word would be that is like confessional when it's like, no one wants to see people being confessional if if it's like if they haven't dealt with it yet right so i think like in new york and and the places that i've done stand up you see a person that's like thinks of the darkest thing ever that's just like i like <laughs> i like tore the head off a bird and i ate it and everyone's like what Why and there's no joke cuz it's like if it's trying to be shocking. Yeah. Only, only and then two you're people like, in the audience can identify with that. And then you're like, I can't <laughs> believe Ozzy Osbourne's here doing stand-up. That's insane. <laughs> um, right. But yeah, there's like that it's it's they see someone like the great comedians, you know, that like Louis C.K. or something, and it's like, oh, all you have to do is go up and, and say the darkest thing in your life. Um, instead of which isn't even actually being personal. It's kind of it's, it's exploitative almost. Yeah, it's like you're like looking cheap. Yeah. And you see a lot of that. So um I get that. So it's not even like people like vulnerability of like you've you've thought about it and you've dealt with it and you've you're considering that and you're you're kind of trusting the audience sure, with it. Man. You don't you're almost like you're not just throwing it on them and being like, isn't that crazy? You're sort of like, <laughs> <laughs> Can I share this with you? You know? Sure. Um and I think that's where that's where people are, are sort of learning. It's not just about being like dark or being weird or being gross. Right. Um, and even the people that are that seemingly are actually tapping into something that is like still personal, still difficult to share in some way. I think it's easy to say the weirdest thing that anyone's ever done and just go on stage and drop that on people and walk away. Right. Um, there's this, I can't say the name, but there's this guy that like <laughs> me and, my friend Corey, who lives in New York, and uh, yeah, pl- plug your uh, plug your show in New York. Uh, we do a show called Great Times with Corey and Kevin. Corey uh, is a good friend of mine. Worked at Fallon. He works at the Late Show with Stephen Colbert now. And me and him do a free comedy show uh, every second Monday at this bar called Three of Cups, and uh, it's it's turned into like a nice little community of people um, that awesome, come out dude. and support. And we've started it. Uh, New York listeners, go check it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, it's the, it's one of the coolest things. It's what I want. When I got into stand up, that's what I wanted, um, stand up to be. Cause you, you just are like, oh, I want to tell stories. And then you go to open mics and there's three people there and it's horrible. And then starting this show with Corey, um, we're sort of like, oh, we're on stage together hosting at the very least. Like we get time to hang out. And more and more people have come and some comedians that we're huge fans of have dropped into the show, Jim Gaffigan and Mike Birbiglia and Todd Berry and Janine Groffler. Bugs. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um and uh and yeah, it's been it's that has been like the little like training ground for the show. It was That's like so cool, man. Um 
you know, putting up a Facebook post and an email and like anytime Corey and I would go to uh, like anytime we would meet someone just from the second we started the show, we're like, we'll just start an email list. So if we have a server that we connect with for one minute, we'll be like, you want to see our comedy show or someone on airplanes. And now it's like a thousand people big and people just like that show, rad, show up. And, and like, we've, we've met some really incredible friends through that. That is um, so cool. Yeah. Cool so marketing. All right. I want to drop something on you real quick. Yep. So you know, like, you know, the, the cliche in life, and we just talked about cliches a little bit, like cliches are mm-hmm. cliches for a reason. The cliche in life that we always hear, like laughter is the best medicine, right? Yeah. Right. For what? So like one of the things that I've been thinking about is, you know, to get a little nihilistic and dark and, you know, like mm-hmm. we were talking about comedy and like a lot of it comes from a very dark place. And that's mm-hmm. a lot of times the best material if it's genuine. Yeah. Pairing that with the idea of laughter being the best medicine, like existing and having to go through life is freaking hard. Yeah. Right. It's so hard. Like just existing is a trauma. Yeah. Like it's a very difficult endeavor just to be here, be alive, go through what you go through, whoever you are, whatever your story is. Yeah. It's difficult. It's so hard. Yeah. So like when I think laughter is the best medicine and why I value so much like what you do and what others do. And sometimes I, I plop down on the couch after a really hard week either personally or in work or in relationships. And I'm like, I just need to see some stand up. I just need to laugh. I need it so bad right now because laughter is the best medicine. But the question, laughter is the best medicine. What is it? What is it the best medicine for? It's the best medicine for the trauma of life, man. Like it's, it's so hard just being alive and we need comedians to tell it back to us to make it okay that it's so hard. So I'd love, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. But before that, the pizza guy's here, so we're going to pause. <laughs> that is so awesome. Because this is it. live, and I, I hope... It couldn't have been more perfect. I said before we started, I hope we get this on. I hope that shows up. I'm just happy pizza's here. Why is laughter the best medicine? Yeah. Um, I, I think, I actually got learned this the more I performed, is like the, if you're performing, it feels like it's about you, and then when you realize it's, it's 99% about the audience at all times, yeah. and you're serving them, and I think like doing a free show in New York where you're just like, we invite all of our friends, like, we have like a f- bit of a following now. It's, so it's like 50 to a hundred people come there. They see it's, it's free. There's cheap drinks that helps get people in the door. But then at the end of the day, you're like, everyone's like you said, like life is hard and all people so hard want, and people don't even want, like we, we have comedians that are small, small potatoes. And then there'll be someone who's like a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> As Adam right. waxes, Mike, dang it. <laughs> But you'll, you'll see someone that like, people will be like, man, I'm surprised because that person wasn't that funny and they're famous. And then there'll be someone who's a nobody and they're like, who was that dude? And I think at the end of the day, it's because like you're sitting there and you're just like, I had a long day and I have to go to work tomorrow. And I just like, I want to enjoy what the person's saying. And it's that, it's like that connection that the people that just go up and 
connect with the audience about whatever it is, it allows them to more so than, than I think anything, just like forget for a little bit and just be like, we've never had a problem with cell phones in our show ever. I don't think I've ever seen a person, a comedian have to call out someone for texting or whatever. And whatever it is, it's like, how often is there a chance for you to just be like, man, I just don't want to think for an hour and a half. I just want someone to like make me laugh. And then you go back to all those problems after. Right. And I think like, we have a lot of Christians that come to our show Hmm. and why? Um, just cause I go to church. And so a lot of people like, where do you he, go to church? It's called Trinity Grace oh, uh, yeah, yeah, Church yeah. in Park Slope. John Titus Caleb, church. what up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there's like, I've never, there's like, for the most part, I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever heard a single person be offended. And they hear like, they'd be the type of people that would be like, if you actually, if they're like, give me some suggestions, it'd be like, suggest Gaffigan so they're not offended. But the people there, it's like, they're comedians that are working through stuff that it's like the darkest stuff you've ever heard. And everyone's right. just there seeing a person and laughing. And it feels so good to laugh. Yeah. Why does it feel so good to laugh? Yeah. Endorphins, baby. I know, man. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. I think it's cool because it's like, sometimes the comedians will come and be like, that thing didn't go over. Like, what's... I've had so I've had so many comedians mention our audience that we have a great like a smart audience that that they don't get away with certain laughs. I mean, there are people that are like, "This is a good audience." Like, oh, not just so a, I never not thought a, of that. Like looking at different audiences and being like, "Yeah," because because I, I don't I don't think about it because they're just like we're just happy there are butts and seats. <laughs> sure, you know we're just like whew, like it's <laughs> it's full. There's like it's not empty. Um, but so many comedians have been like, these, like, this is a good audience. Like I've had people that are like, I, I like tried out this like joke I gave up on cause like no one ever got it. And these guys got it. And I think it's, it's not cause th- I said, there's a lot of Christians oh, there. Man, there's a lot of everyone. Gotta feel good. But it's because there, it's like people that I think like a lot of them have jobs and a lot of them have a life and a lot of them are going there to be entertained. And they're like, they're not there to spend $45 and go to a comedy club and just be like, make me laugh. They're going there. It's like to engage, to, li- to engage in something. Yeah. And so their cell phones are never out. I don't think we've ever had a problem with that. People are never like talking. No one's ever heckling. They're just there. Like, please like, give me something. And Would you almost call it like a liturgy of sorts. Like a, like a, like a, like a more than just what's happening is happening. I, yeah, I think that, I think, like, obviously the parallels of, like, a person standing on stage talking to a group are obvious. But it's like, you f- you feel when someone goes through the motions. Yeah, totally. And you, f- you also feel when someone's laughing when you're like, I'd rather they just not laugh. I'd rather I just talk. I would rather them not laugh right now. Mm-hmm. I'd, rather, I'd rather them, like, be with me yeah. than laugh. And then when you... And especially when it's like down the street, like Aziz Ansari is performing and you have 40 shows on Broadway and you have 10 venues with like great bands playing. There's so much to see there that it's like most of the people that are there, like if they wanted to go see the best comedy, then they would go to the comedy cellar. And then they come to our show and it's like, we don't want to see someone get up and just give me their best jokes. You want to see... Someone working on stuff and actually engaging in real stuff, and That's so you, super cool. you see, you see that happen like in real time a lot. And I've learned a lot because in the beginning, like 
when you're like, man, my joke about like these sunglasses always works. And then you have to get to a point where you're like, I'm just going to talk about my day and it's going to suck because it's not going to be as funny, but I'm going to learn over the years that that's where you like find the stuff. So like where you find you're like, you're mining it with them. Yeah. Yeah. And by since, processing it. And I do think that since you're not charging them, like if you were charging $40 and a do drink minimum, I don't think people would want that as much. I don't right. think people would like, Hey, we paid $60. Yeah. You better be hilarious. Yeah. Where's your greatest hits? Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that's the, that's the benefit of having a free show where it's like, listen, like, we're here to watch how this stuff gets made like anyone else. And That's there's, there's cool, a higher man. capital or higher like value put on like authenticity um, that I don't think would be if you spent a hundred dollars at the palace theater and it was just someone being like, yeah, I don't know. What's the point? You know, like, <laughs> you'd be like, Hey, can we get some jokes here real yeah. quick? <laughs> So I, I think, I think that's a great way to, to start talking about your current show. I got to see it the other night and, um, obviously you've been, you've been doing a little like mini tour right now. Packed house. Yes. Packed house. Thanks Packed Columbus house. for coming out. Packed house. Very nervous. You did Akron. You did Pittsburgh before coming here. You did, did Nashville. Did Nashville. Didn't two didn't shows in Nashville. Dang. Yeah. I was, I was very nervous cause I've only ever promoted like one show a year in Columbus. So yeah. I had like 11 shows to promote and I was like, there's going to be one person in each place. <laughs> and we're, we're your street team though. So yeah, no yeah. <laughs> I had a street team. My family's here. So I guess I, I just have to, I have to talk, I have to talk about them a little bit. Um, in sixth grade, when I started really, really coming into myself, you know, really deciding to discover myself, really starting to explore my body. That's all I'm going to say about it. Do we know what we're talking about? I don't want to get more explicit, but I will. Um, so I'm not. We, we know what's happening right now. Um, the worst moment of my life, still up to this point, worst moment of my life, I was getting ready for school, and I was like, today's going to be a good day at school. And I like put on my backpack and I was walking out and my mom came up to me with some Mary Kay moisturizer. She's like, Kevin, this is my $50 lotion, stop it. And we've never acknowledged it until like now, you know? So it was just like, I contemplate, I was like, I'm gonna move away. I'm gonna find a new family. This is the first time, this trip is the first time I've spoken to my mom since that happened 20 years ago. I told her I did. I I told her I was gonna tell that as a joke, and she she didn't even say anything. She was just like, "That is expensive lotion. Mary Kay is expensive lotion." <laughs> um. So you've been you've been working really hard on this special, and and we talked about this the other night, and, and obviously I don't want to give away any of your show because you you know you've got a bunch of gigs coming up give and away stuff. Some of it though, some of the special juice that you've got coming up. But we talked about the other night that you know some of these bits you know I've, I've seen you kind of curate over the years, and and uh, I, I I personally think as a huge fan of comedy that uh, that your your set is better than it's ever been. It's it's tighter than I've ever seen it. Um, yeah, I just really enjoyed it. But like what we talked about earlier, one of the one of the backbones or the backbone of your show are these very personal stories that mm. at the time probably weren't so funny. Um, <laughs> and so, but I think part of that is, and we talked about this as well, that I think it's one of the things that people that more people identify with, which mm. is why uh, one of our heroes, uh, Mike Birbiglia, mm. um, I think his 
I think your style is very similar in regards to more of that storytelling style of comedy, but drawing from personal experience, like Burbigley, obviously like those who have seen sleepwalk with me or whatever know about his struggles with like sleep paralysis and jumping out a second story window yeah. and so funny, the yeah. demise of his, uh, of his engagement that sort of thing. So, yeah. Hey, you guys got something in common. I didn't realize that, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, so talk a little bit about like, is, is that something that's therapeutic for you every night when you go up on stage and you get to get that out of your system? And, and I know for, as a fan, as someone listening, it's certainly therapeutic for the audience, but is that something that, that helps you kind of work through it? Yeah. Um, I actually have a close friend of mine um, named Rachel Graves. Hey, Rachel out there. How you doing? Rachel. Um, she told me at one point, she's like, it was, it was like a year ago. And she was like, she's like, I feel like, I feel like this is going to be like a really great few years for you. And I was like, oh, thanks. And she's like, I feel like you should start talking about like more personal stuff on stage. And I was like, we, we'll, we'll go on runs together. She's like a really fast runner and I'll run with her. And she, and like, I was like, where'd that come from? Like, it, it almost seemed like this is going to be a good year. When are you going to like actually, like I'm going to bring it all back out. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, and yeah, I, this, I would say that I've had a few experimentations with, being more personal on stage and there's like a very high, I feel like everyone's like, you should do it. And then once you do it and it doesn't go well, you're like, okay, I'm never going to do that again. Like that was expensive. That was painful to me personally. Yeah. 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 And it's totally, um, I think you under, especially when you think people are going to laugh and when they don't, and then you're just like, no, everyone knows that. That's crazy. (laughs) Um, yeah. And I was, I was engaged, uh, when I was 27, I was engaged. We had a wedding date on the like on the books, and then uh, ended up breaking breaking it off. And I think John and I were. I mean, we had a lot of conversations about like leading up and during that of being like, this is a tumultuous relationship. Like, do you end it or do you like power through it? Are we not communicating? Like all of that stuff. Oh man. And yeah, like that. That was. I remember when when I moved to New York, like. My mom got breast cancer soon after. All three of my grandparents died within like a year. And I, I was an adult for the first time, paying my bills and like having like just a really rough two years on paper, um, year on paper. So, and then this and, and was like, that was really rough. This like relationship and this engagement was a thousand times more difficult. And then you're, even when you're in it, you're just like, I'm, always anxious. I always like have a pit in my stomach. Oh yeah. All of this stuff. And you're like, feel bad because you're like, that's weird. I I didn't even feel this bad when like my family members were dying and I didn't know if my mom was going to die. So, so at the time, at the time you're just like, I would never, there's not even anything funny there besides being like, ha ha. Like i broke off my engagement and people were like, e, you know, like feel like it's weird. So it, that was one of the things there's more, I think, embarrassing stories within the whole context of the show that were easier to tell. Yeah. So it's like, there's like some funniness here, sure. but there's, there's relatability, but there was very little that, that was just going to be benunctu laugh of being like, and then my, I uh, had a wedding on the books and we broke up and we didn't get married and like, um, 
And so it was therapeutic, but it was the scariest thing that I ever had to talk about on stage because I think I had to acknowledge like it was really important to me. Yeah. And for a while after I was just like, yeah, I was like, it wasn't the right thing. And like, it's actually better. It wasn't a really healthy relationship. So really until I started talking about it on stage was when I was like, if this material is even going to connect with the audience, they have to, they can't just see me being like, in like, and I didn't really care about getting married anyway. I'm good. Yeah. I've always been good. Yeah. It was like, because I had to like set some, some her up as a character in this relationship as a character. And I was like, oh yeah, like, well, I like loved this person. And when I saw them, like, I was like, I was taken by them and I asked them out and then we like connected over the years and got engaged and reliving. It was so much easier to joke about the breakup that everyone was like, that, that is like has humor and people can relate to heavy breakup. What was therapeutic and helped a whole lot that I never thought was being like going back and remembering like, oh yeah, like that's the first time I was in love and there's no, heavy, there's no joke there. That no. was just like, I remembered for the very first time I went back. I didn't, I didn't feel like I blocked it from my memory, but it was the first time I went back and I was like, oh yeah, I remember when I got down on one knee and asked her to marry me. Oh. And I was like, whoa, that's, I forgot that happened. Yeah, you blocked it out, yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, because I, mean, I remembered way. the breakup, and I remembered, like, the lead-up. Like, of course, we. but I forgot about, like, that moment where I'm like, boom. So so it was therapeutic, and actually, I think there's, like I said, there's more funny, comedically infused, embarrassing moments in the show that people are like, I can relate to that, and <laughs> I can't believe you said that, because I would have never said that, but I relate. That Those were easier, even though they seem more embarrassing and more... Um, confessional mm-hmm. whereas this it's almost like a small like someone could be like <laughs> i don't know someone could like insult you and just be like you're an idiot and wouldn't hurt your feelings but it was just like like your shoes are lame and you're like i've always been embarrassed about these shoes <laughs> like, like the small thing i have I've, a joke where I've i always talk- noticed that like if you if you flick somebody off nobody cares mm-hmm. but if you give somebody a thumbs down <laughs> It's so true. It's so it's 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 mortifying. Yeah. If somebody just looks at you and just goes, "Yeah, I disapprove of you." <laughs> yeah. Thumbs it's way, down. It's way You're worse. Like, I don't even know how to retaliate against that because I'm so broken by it right now. <laughs> I know. God forbid you get both thumbs. I know, dude. I work with um. I I tutor kids and uh and I had a joke. I think it's in one of my videos that's on my website, but it's like um. It's about how like kids give the worst insults and <laughs> I'm, I don't have, I'm bald. And if I have my head on, I don't know. Can you guys just play it? Why don't you play it at this point? Okay. You can play it if you want. <laughs> but another thing is like, I don't take my shoes off because like I had ingrown toenails when I was growing up. And so now like my, my big toe just has like smaller toenails than usual. And I swear I don't wear sandals. If someone like came up to me, it was just like, you're ugly. It wouldn't hurt. But it, I swear, like I keep my, I don't wear sandals. Cause if someone's but like, somebody's like, your toes big, are gnarly. Yeah. Your toenails really small. I'm just like, I'm sorry. Like, you know, That's why I keep my shoes on. It's like, so, I always wondered why you wore shoes in the pool. Yeah. I always thought it was yeah, kind of exactly. weird. Yeah. It's the pressure points, man. Yeah. It's the pressure those, points. It's yeah. So I think, yeah. Yeah, that's that sort of stuff so real that you're like because it's you having to come out and be like this thing was important to me um i work with kids and uh and i i love working with kids and they're very fun but they're very honest and uh 
I also don't have any hair, which has had that happen a long time ago. And I don't really care about it anymore, but when I'm around kids, when I go into like a lesson, I teach kids chess. And when I go into a lesson, I've found that it doesn't matter how long I've known the kid or the kids, if I have no hat on, they're like, oh, it's Kevin. If I have a hat on, they're like, oh, it's Kevin. But if I'm in a lesson and I just like take my hat off, they're just like, oh my gosh, you're bald! <laughs> Every time, just as much surprise. And so I've gotten to the door of these lessons and I've just been like, hat on or hat off, okay? You don't want to make Elijah make you feel insecure again, okay? So just make a choice now and you don't have to deal with it. Um, I smiled too big one time and the kid's like, why are your gums so high up? I'm like, I don't know, they're receding? Thanks a lot. Do you know every insecurity I have? What is wrong with you? I have ingrown toenails too. That's why my shoes are on. And that's Dude, like what's scary. And, and and honestly, for me, which is so interesting that we do this podcast right now, the thing that I got made fun of and that I was more humiliated by than anything else in my life was my faith. Mm-hmm. Like when I was growing up, yeah. like the fact that I wasn't allowed to watch certain movies, the fact that I wasn't allowed to do this Ooh, or let's do talk that, about that. Or, or, or like, uh, you know, listen to certain music or, yeah. you know, whatever was a constant source of like alienation and humiliation for me. And there's some seriously great comedic material in the, there. The first time I watched a rated R movie, I was over at Kenny Flick's house <laughs> and, and they were going to watch a time to kill. Whoa. Oh yeah. Do you remember your first R rated movie? I remember mine. What's yours? Mine was DC yes. cab. Yes, I DC do. cab. I DC know. cab. You know, it had uh, Mr. C in it and Gary Busey. When he was, uh, well, no, he's always crazy, but that's, <laughs> but he was hilarious. And I just remember there were boobs in it. And I was like, yep, no one told me about these. What? <laughs> these are great. <laughs> and then immediately you have more the, of those, please. The second thought is, wait, there's a reason I'm not supposed to see these. Yep. This must be bad. Yeah. Guilt, yeah. guilt immediately. Yeah. No, mine was kickboxer. Oh, good movie. Yeah. Sixth grade. Wow. Yep, yep. Got cool. my, my friend that I slept over at his house to like, mom, you know, it's just about martial arts. You know, it's just like a movie about martial arts. Oh, okay. Yeah. She rented it for us. Didn't even look at like what it was rated. Yep. Wow. Yeah. That's what I, I couldn't s- even sleep that night. I was so sick with guilt. That's what this mom said. She was like, it's just about, it's just about hate crimes and race relations. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's, what, that's what a time to go is about. It's a light movie. Yeah. You've seen it, right? It's John, Johnny Depp, right? No, no. no. Nick, Nick Nolte. It's, this, this cast is on another level. You ready to have your minds blown? It's uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, yeah, that's right. Sandra Bullock. Yep. Matthew McConaughey. He's the lawyer, right? Kevin Spacey is Whoa. the DA. What? Uh, Kiefer Sutherland and Donald Sutherland are in it. Yeah, it's wow. Yeah, it, um, Oliver Platt. Get dude, out of here! It's Love amazing. Oliver Platt. It's I need to get on that now. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, and then and then Matthew McConaughey does like the whole because the whole point of the movie was that girl uh, Samuel Jackson's daughter gets um, gets raped and murdered yeah. by Kiefer Sutherland and like his dude in a truck and they like dress. so horrible crime and Samuel Jackson comes in when they are in their uh, court courtroom kills them all kills those two dudes and then he's is he guilty or innocent is there a time to kill or not and then Whoa. matthew mcconaughey does the whole thing it's actually very relevant for these times he does like wow. the whole thing he's like he's like imagine a girl's taken blah blah, blah. He like he tells like dude, the dude, whole dude, thing no, no no that was such a good mcconaughey man come on he and then really he does, good hold McCann. on hold on ready ready he goes through the whole thing i won't ruin the plot this is the climax of the movie he says now imagine the girl was white 
And everyone's just like, I. It's like, oh man, it's it's a. It was a very powerful. Can you, can you reappear movie. on our podcast as Matthew McConaughey? <laughs> yeah. People, All right. People like that's yeah. really impressive, guys. Yeah, you guys got Matthew McConaughey. We got Matthew freaking McConaughey. <laughs> you can't prove we didn't because we don't do video. So, <laughs> so positive thinking, man. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's a it's a great film. That was that was before his dip into like rom coms, and now he's back. But um, yes, but yeah, amazing. Is, I remember Interstellar, Interstellar, um, True Detective. Suit so Detective season one was incredible. Oh yeah. So a time to kill. I remember I was I was at Kenny Flick's house and they were about to put it in and I called my parents to ask if I could watch. Oh yeah, movie. been there. Oh yeah, been there. So it's it's crazy to think because I did grow up in like a fundamentalist or like very more concerned. Especially once you get out in the world, you're like, well, that was kind of lit. It's like no, it was very <laughs> conservative, very conservative. Um, but I will give my parents props that it was always like we trusted them. Like the fact that it was like, we don't watch rated R movies and it wasn't just like when, and then I went over there and then I called home to ask if I could. And then they were like, they're like, we've seen that movie. It's very heavy. And then my mom was like, and listen, like when it gets to the final part with Matthew McConaughey, like that's a, you're going to love that part. It's great acting. I'm just joking. Uh, <laughs> I was like, what? No. Like, oh, no. Wow. It was going this way at all. And, and yeah. my mom, and my mom was just like, Kevin Spacey is so powerful as the DA. He's a, such an evil presence. Just kidding. You're gonna love so it. I can it's hear amazing. bar breaking this down. Right yeah. Now. Yeah. He embodies um, evil. No, if anything, my mom would just be like, <laughs> it's like the most straightforward plot of all time. She's like, I don't understand. Who's that character? It's like, <laughs> um, wait, when did we see that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The first Jim, scene. The, Jim, when did we see that? <laughs> the first scene. My mom's like, "Now who's he?" I'm like, "Yeah, I've been in the same movie with you the whole time." <laughs> this is um, why your sister and your mother are the same person, dude. I call her Barb Junior. Does Jamie all the do time. that to you all the time? I'm like, Jamie, I am literally watching this at the same time you are. I yeah. don't know anything more than you know. Jamie is John's wife. That's true. For all my, you and I my love sister, her. and I love her. Yes, yes. And, and Kevin's sister. Um, we love her. We do. We love her. I love her. <laughs> I love my mom. That's right. And she, likes Barb. she likes to break wine glasses. Yeah, I got to yeah. tell you, I, I do have to tell you a story really quick about Barb. And this is, this is, I think where you get your comedic roots from is Barb Doyle because She's Barb Doyle very funny. is one of the funniest people I've ever met. I had the pleasure of living with them for a month before I got married. So like I lived in the basement of their house. No way. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and that's when I found out that your dad is a vampire. So dude doesn't sleep. Jim Doyle does not sleep up all the time. <laughs> yeah. Last one to bed. First one up in the morning. I was yeah. like, I don't think he sleeps, but anyway, <laughs> cause I was downstairs and I could hear the footsteps. Um, but anyway, Barb, um, I, I just started dating your sister. We're sitting in the living room, uh, for the most awkward conversation ever is when she lets us know that, Hey, I have cancer. Mm. And I'm like, Oh man. Oh shit. I want to be anywhere but here right now. This is really like, I don't, I can't handle this, yeah. you know? Kind of thing. And I was like, this is super sad. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, you know, everybody's really upset. And so, of course, your sister, you know, being the reactionary person that she is, says, I'm just, I'm just going to have a full mastectomy. You know, just get them, just get the boobs chopped off. And your mom's sitting there. Everybody's just like, you know, still like wet with tears, you know, and your mom looks at her. She goes, Jamie, I think you should ask John about that first. He might miss them. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm just like, okay, cool. All right, we're good. Dude, you in in She's my, gonna be fine. That's hilarious. Yeah. She's yeah, she's 
she's so funny and I don't like, obviously when you go on stage to be funny, there's automatically this, like, I want to be funny and I want to be funnier and I want people to think I'm funny. I'm like, I, my mom's legitimately doesn't try to be funny. No. Sometimes she is funny by accident, but she's also very smart and funny in those ways. Yeah. And could care less if anyone compliments her or not. I obviously want people to be like, Kevin, you're very funny. She's not doing it for anyone's recognition. No. Does not, does not care. And, and super, she's just hilarious. She's yeah. just a very, it was like, it was a few years ago that I realized how funny she was. Cause I like lived with it. And then I was like, oh man, she's hilarious. And the, 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 like, one of the funniest moments in the show is one of the most serious moments in my show. And it's a true thing that happened with my mom. Yeah. And she, like, there was, like, a weird tense moment like that. And she breaks it with a joke that, like, I report it in my show, like, as it happened. And yeah. it's the biggest laugh in the show. And one of the people come up after, they're like, is that real? I'm like, that's just Barb Doyle. That's yeah. literally what happened. That's I awesome. wish I kept a journal. Was yeah. my only regret. It was, like... She said so many funny off the wall things, like you said, half of which were not intentional mm-hmm. at all. She's just naturally funny. That like, I'm like, a month too late. I'm like, I should have started writing this down. Why didn't I write these down? So good. Yeah. Like, yeah. She's she's really funny. And my dad like had a very high. Um, he had a very high. Uh, I don't know what the word is. Whatever. He appreciated like good art. So I remember growing up, and my dad would be like. He'd be like, let's watch this. And we, he would tell me like about like 2001 Space Odyssey. Oh, yeah. Or he would, he would be like, like showed me good music and good, um, good art. And Jamie, I remember like I, I listened to like Master P and Puff Daddy. And my sister was like, here's a Radiohead album. I feel like you need to listen to different there stuff. Uh, so, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so, as, Master, Master P, if you're listening. Well, make them say. <laughs> if you have Spotify, Apple Music, you can explore some Master P. Yeah. Um, just as just as our, he's a billion. He's like five, worth five hundred million dollars. So he's he's pretty business savvy. He's doing okay. Um, I think he's doing all right. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like my mom had like the raw comedic talent, and uh, and my my dad was just like tried to infuse us with some good taste, you know? Yeah. Um, or just had good taste and and showed us some good stuff. So. Growing up, uh, we were not allowed to say uh, P. We had to say tinkle. In this family, we tinkle. We weren't allowed to say fart. We had to say fluff. And he would remind my friends that. They'd come over and they'd be like, oh, did somebody fart? He's like, hey, Kenny, in this, in this family, we fluff, all right? That's just one of the rules we have. He told Kenny that on the way up to see Creed, which was my first concert. <laughs> Scott Stapp got so hammered that he passed out on the stage in Cleveland, and then Creed came back it to Cleveland like five dollar tickets because last time Scott Stapp, you know, he, he got hammered and fell on stage. So that was my first concert on the way up. Saw Creed, um, but also my dad. The one time he's ever sworn, uh, my mom, by the way, she's like she breaks all the rules. By the way, she's just like she's real loose. She swears all the time and like winks. She's like, I'm the cool mom. It's cool, you know. <laughs> you can't drink, but damn, oops, don't tell your dad. All right. <laughs> there was one time I was being a jerk. I was being probably on the way up to Creed, and we got out of the car. I was just like being annoying and everything. And my dad is like, Kevin, you are acting like an asshole. 
And I was like, you called me an asshole? And he's like, he just walked away. He was like, I can't believe I said it. Did God hear? So one time he ever swore at me, but then I got to high school and I got really into The Sopranos and I would watch The Sopranos all the time. I loved The Sopranos. And my dad loved it because it's a great television show and he enjoyed it and he just could not get over like the language. It just like always bothered him. He would just be like, can't they say, and there's a scene with uh, James Gandolfini, he's about to execute someone. He has a gun to their head. And the guy's just like, no, no, please. And he starts peeing his pants. And he's just like, are you pissing your pants? Are you pissing your fucking pants? <laughs> Blows his head off, brains everywhere against the wall. My dad's like, all right, does he need to use language like that? Is that really appropriate? I mean, come on. I mean, criminy. I mean, cripes. Cripes. And I was like, Dad, yeah, gangsters, they, they kind of need to say, he's like, no, they don't. You can have a good television show without you. I could write for The Sopranos. I'm like, Dad, no, you're good. He's like, yeah, I could. My dad wrote for The Sopranos, right? It would be like, hey, are you tinkling your pants right now? Are you tinkling your pants? Criminy, is that a fluff? Did you fluff just now? This is what you get for acting. I said acting. Then extra brains, extra blood if you can. No. Oh man. So one of the things I want to get to, because mm-hmm. you know, we we've been we've been going a while, but uh um we got a karaoke tonight, you know, priorities. So <laughs> you know my so awesome. Every every Tuesday I come I, I'm in Columbus, I go to Rivari room for karaoke. Heck yeah. I'm keeping it alive. It's been going on for like what, fifteen years, I think. <laughs> yeah, thirteen years, I think. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I've never missed a Tuesday that I'm that I'm home. <laughs> never. Um but one of the, one of the things I think is really interesting um, that I that I realized after you moved to New York and started visiting you there is that there are very real, very different um, uh, issues with with that come along with living in New York City. Mm. Very uh, very different struggles. Yeah, and um, and I thought it was interesting to kind of talk with you uh, about those struggles and and um, that are only occurring that would only occur in New York City. Like yeah. these are things that we don't deal with here in Columbus. You know, rats. Rats, giant, <laughs> ra- and alligators in the sewers. Public transportation. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, like, I think, you know, one of the things we talked about is the fact that it is, like, what, 20 million people in one city? Yeah, I wonder what the great, yeah, probably greater, like, metro areas, like, 24 million, maybe. That's insane. But, like, you can literally meet a new cool. girl every day mm-hmm. uh, and, and be completely anonymous as a, as a, as a person and, and really just, like, immerse yourself in the worst behavior possible. Yeah, yeah. Very easily. Yeah. And and yet like there's this famous quote, you know, that that uh goes something like, you know, uh you're you're surrounded by you're in the largest city uh in the world and yet could feel completely alone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I um I think that's totally true. I think like um everyone's felt that that lives in New York and then also maybe that's why like People usually don't take for granted when there's a real great community of whoever of like real connections. And that's why people get so sad when people move away from New York. Anytime someone moves away from New York, they're never like, hey, moving. It's always like, my time in New York, like, so fun me. And I'm so, like, it was, you know, like, it's very, and people, I mean, I had a bunch of friends move away last year and it was like pretty intense for a lot of us there because it's like you give up so much for, 
whatever the reason people live in New York for, you know, career or job or or whatever brought you there, it's no one's ever just like, I wanted to check it out. Like they have a reason. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so when people leave, so if you can make it there, you can make it in Tokyo. <laughs> it really is. It's so big that whenever you go to other cities, you're always just like, it's so small here. Like it's so any other city. Yeah. It's like, it's insane. It was the first place I lived as an adult. And I'm like, I went to Paris in this past November and I was like, Paris was the first place that I was like, oh, this is like hard to wrap my head around. And and other than that, it's like the, like Manhattan and Queens and Bro- like they're all just so big that it trains you to um to I don't know, you just get used to like uh your senses being on a on a 14, you know? Yeah. But I think it's true that it, it's like you could move there and you could do whatever you want. Um only thing holding you back is like money. And even, even then, like you, I don't know. Like it's most people there are single. It's hard to, there's not a lot of kids there. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean really anything you want to do, you can do. So it's a huge decision to like, um, it's just a huge decision to live however you want to live. Like if you want to, um, like, I go to, I've been going to this church since I moved there pretty much. And if I never went again, like (laughs) there have been times where I like haven't gone for a while and the people that it's not like people being like, Hey, where you been? It's literally your one friend, Lee, who is just like, how you doing, dude? Like, what's up? It's like, Oh, I've been busy. Oh, cool. And then, but it's not like a normal community. I don't know if you meant like a church community or something, but like, you can do, I don't know, like watch. <laughs> it's limitless. Yeah. Like, um, and that's the, that's the amazing part about New York. And that's also anyone that's been there longer than a year has experienced like the, the dark side of it, just being like, geez, like what, what am I doing here? Like you can be, you can stay out as late as you want and you can, you usually have to work harder than usual to make a certain amount of money and not have space and so it gets really easy to fill that with stuff that is not actually like that's that's not actually healthy and that could be anything that could be like the food you eat and how much you drink like I think drinking culture there is like <laughs> like you'll go to certain other cities and they're just like like you guys drink a lot it's like yeah that's like people drink a lot in New York and usually most people I know that at this age like are like yeah I had to like pull back and actually examine like, cause it's so easy to just go places where everyone's hanging out. Even our, like my comedy show, it's like, Oh yeah. Like we go there and then you drink and watch comedy and then you get an Uber home or you get the subway home. There's very rarely a place that is not where alcohol or like is involved or where you're even hanging out in people's homes. Usually people hang out in like in bars. Yeah. You know, I think like back in the, like, 1700s or whatever when New York was started it was like one of the only cities in America that had like twice as many bars as churches because everything else was established oh my god as like a church community or whatever <laughs> um and so yeah that's still the case see it used to be uh, see and the thing that people don't know about Kevin is Kevin worked any job like when you first got there right you yeah. worked some you worked some like awful jobs just to make it and to survive there and one of them was you were a tour guide and you were an awesome tour guide 
like we went on your tours when we yeah. come into town and I was like, man, I mean, and I think part of your, uh, your future, um, comedian, you know, sensibilities or whatever definitely were infused in your tours, which is why I think you were successful. But even now, like we'll walk through New York and Kevin's like, did you know that that building was owned by so-and-so? And you're like, I had no idea, but that's awesome. That's amazing. This is probably to anybody who in any place, no matter what you're doing, but especially if you move to New York, like I think the key to being an, have like doing anything artistic with your life is having expecting that you're always going to have a day job for your entire life. And that hopefully isn't the case, but just assume that because sure. I think that's a really good thing to assume because then a lot of times you you end up doing it for the right reasons too. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And just, and, and then that way you're not destroyed when right things that you're like, you can be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I, I wore um, a sign in Times Square. I've talked about it a decent amount in my life. But I wore a sign, like a sandwich board in Times Square and passed out flyers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, That was my first job. What did you, what was, what were the flyers for? The flyers were for Broadway shows. The first show I worked for was called 39 Steps. (laughs) And I worked a lot of shows. You know, I worked Superior Donuts. I worked for a show called Fela by, it was a musical, Fela Kuti. He's a really great Afro. Um, he's a really great musician, but, uh, he's, he died. Um, but yeah, I, all these shows, like it was, it paid $17 an hour, which is not bad. It's not bad. Um, and then, but yeah, that's what I did from a shift started at 10 AM. They were 10 to three. And then if you worked a double, you had like a half hour off. And then it was three 30 to like seven 30 or eight right before the Broadway show started. Um, and it was the most miserable time of my life. <laughs> uh, and, but here you are. Yeah. yeah. And here I am. You made it. Yeah. But there would be like, you, you just had to pass out flyers and, and people would find out about these shows. But I mean, what is 17 times 40? Like 17 I have times no idea. 40, whatever. I'm so Cause I wouldn't work 40 hours a week. So it'd be 17 times 30, 17 times 30. Hold on. Let me figure it out first. Go ahead. Okay. What is it? I don't want to say $510. Okay. So $17, decent $510. That's, um, $2,000 total a month about, and then, you know, your rent's 900 and, oh, and then taxes were taken out of that, you know? So it's like, true. so you're living on some pretty tight margins and even still like I'm, you know, I'm living on tight margins, but that and the amount of work you had to do to get that money was like, you know, you know how long it is. If you're just staring at a clock, like that's how slow time would go by. And we weren't allowed to listen to music or podcasts or anything. And then, um, man, (laughs) that's why I became a tour guide, which is like, I need to do something where I can enjoy what I'm doing. And I love history. And so I learned about history and did that and made like maybe a little more than that, but it was way easier to make that money, you know, because for that job, it was like, if you work 10 hours a day, like worked a double, then you had no time. At the end of the day, you're not like, now it's time to create or even audition. <laughs> like, I'm friggin' tired. Yeah, yeah. And you'd get a callback for some, some theater company that pays less money than that job. And you'd have to cancel your shift to go to this audition for the show that you don't want to be in. Like, but you need to take whatever you can get because you want to be an artist. Yeah. Right. And so, oh. so yeah, I mean, it's like, it was, it was, it was rough. Like those first, being a tour guide was like a million times better than that. Cause you could just walk around and 
talk to people about like the history of New York and meet new people and like, um, but even that was difficult at times when you're just like, I'm a comedian. They're like, oh, that's cute. So anyways, what's uh, the, you know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah. what do you really do? That, that reminds me of like Seinfeld, like everybody, yeah, yeah you're yeah. a comedian. Oh, yeah, right, okay. Yeah, yeah so, I'm an uh, actor. They're like, cool, what do you, just the sheer fact that you have a day job, which like, it's cool. You get more respect from like, I, I was at a random bar in Hell's Kitchen and one of my friends walked in and he's like one of the most successful friends that I have from college. And he walked in and he's like, you should come in the back. And I was like, I'm having a drink with this person. And he's like, come in the back when they leave. So that person left and I went back and it was like him and John Hamm from Mad Men and like four other actors that are from TV that I have definitely seen. Like, I'm like, I know your face. And when I was back there, I was like, it was just this like actor card game. They're just like, they're like, yeah, we play poker and like meet up. And I was doing my off Broadway show at the time, which was um, called how to be New Yorker, which I wrote based on being a tour guide in New York. And it was off Broadway. And the amount of like, I remember when I started talking to John Hamm, I told him I was doing this and I knew he was in Mad Men. I was a huge fan of the show. It was on, it was huge fan right before the last season came up. And he was like, dude, that's all, like the amount of respect. He's th- funny. Oh, super, super funny. funny. Oh, who knew? He's so super, funny. Yeah, really funny. Funny in, um, in uh, Kimmy Schmidt. And is he in 30 Rock? Yeah. I've just seen him on like Jimmy Fallon a couple times. Yeah. Brides, Bridesmaids, right? Oh, Bridesmaids. Bridesmaids. He's hilarious. He's so funny he in Bridesmaids. The jerk, yeah. The yep. jerk boyfriend. Yep. He's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like you get. I remember when I, I was like starstruck, but then the amount of, I, I said something, I was like, yeah, but I was like, I do this, but I also have to like tour guy in the day. And he's like, dude, tell me, like, it's insane. Like, what, what are we doing this for? Never was just like, I'm in Mad Men and I don't have to do that anymore. Right. He was just like, it, yeah. It's still the grind. And so. It's always going to be the grind. I remember like, it would always give me a pit in my stomach. And I got to a place like where I would get very defensive with people if they were just like, so, like, when they would act like you're not there yet, because right. it's like, n- I, I, A, am not there yet. Also, B, like, you have no, I, if you're assessing artist, like, artistry based on, like, how successful, like, you have no idea. You have no idea what you're talking about. You, it's like. There is no there yet. Yeah, there, and there's nobody that, nobody that gets that unless you do. Mm. And that doesn't mean you have to be an artist because I know people that, that don't, that give you respect for just even trying it because it's like, I, I don't know. Like nobody, nobody asked for another actor or com- no one asked for an, another artist in the entire world. And then I don't know if, I don't think any society truly appreciates it until it's good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Until like, until they offer you something that it's like, wow, this is so important to us. Right. In our music. Right. But it's like, it sucks seeing like your friend play at a cafe and they're not good. But if all of a sudden, like five years later, it's like, that's Win Butler and that was Arcade Fire. It's like, I've always loved them. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Like, <laughs> no, you didn't. You, <laughs> no. Unless you cultivate a community or a personality that's like, I want to watch people be bad. I right. want to watch people be bad at stuff. Suffer through it. Yeah. yeah. That's why I think a lot about like my drama club teachers or people like that, that I'm like, I just did a show in Akron last week and my drama club teacher that cast me in you're a good man, Charlie Brown, the first, <laughs> first thing I ever did. And I was like, 
what's the point of being a drama club teacher besides just being like, I don't know, I think it's like important that these these kids like do this stuff. Yeah. And I think like I've grown an appreciation of that for so long because I was like, man, like that's insane. Just do that. And then people see it and they're like, we like know it's parents and people from the community. They're like, it's important for kids to learn about theater. And they just sat through like the worst two hours of their life. <laughs> it was like the worst singing, the worst acting. The only thing is just being like, this is important to, to all of our lives for whatever reason, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this has been awesome. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, so where can people, uh, Find your work. Uh, you've got a website. You've got social media. Where can they go to Everything find out what you're Everything is Kevin James Doyle. Kevin James Doyle on Instagram, on Twitter. That's my website. That's my Gmail. That is my name. And I had to be <laughs> Kevin James Doyle because Kevin James is the zookeeper and Kevin Doyle <laughs> is on Game of Thrones. That's or, right. Yeah. So I had to be Kevin James Doyle, not by choice, but by necessity. By necessity through my actor's union. There you go. Um, but yeah, they can do that. And then uh, uh, my show's called The 30-Year-Old Virgin, and I am doing it in Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and then I'll probably do a little tour after that, and we'll see. Hopefully, I can do it some other places. So, um, and, uh, and I, think it's, I, think it's, I think it's good. I think people that come see it will enjoy it. I can attest to the fact that I'm not just saying this because he's related to me by blood, and uh, there were no physical threats of violence. I can honestly say that it is an incredible show. You guys need to go see it. So those of you that are in the UK, um, anybody who's actually planning out to the Fringe Festival already, you need to go see his set. He's doing 20, 25 shows. Uh, yeah, I believe 25, yeah. So like you have literally no excuse not to catch one of them. So nope. and go see it. It's free. And it's just, free. You just pass around a bucket and you th- you know throw in a shekel. What are they called over there? Pounds? A pound? Do they have pounds over there? Pound? If, you're, if you still have euros left over, Kevin will take those too. I'll take euros, francs, <laughs> yeah. yen, Deutschmarks, whatever. <laughs> they don't use those anymore. Yeah. But go check it out. Um, Kevin's, Kevin's show is amazing. And uh, go check out his social media farm there. And uh, so those of you guys that live in New York, you can go catch a show there. Um, if you don't live in New York and you're not in Scotland, follow him on social media. There's some stuff that he's got up online that you can check out and uh, support him there. So thanks, guys. Thanks for hanging with us, man. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate it.
I did my monologue, and I thought it was good. But with each other's, each other person, my thought of mine twisted, and I had a contorted view of it being horrible, just because of the intimidatingly impressive talent I was surrounded by. I need to do two things. One, go for it with everything I have. And two, be satisfied with my attempt. Day two. Today in Movement with Tony Garcia, we did Suzuki... with Tony Garcia, we did Suzuki Japanese martial arts acting movement techniques. And we did ghost walks. It focused on balance and concentration and thinking about a reason to walk from the other side of the room to the other. I focused and slowly saw a crying baby. And I went to pick it up and walked back slowly and it stopped crying and slept in my arms. I did an interactive activity with Dana. We walked from one side of the room to the other and alternated steps forward and backward, all the while keeping intense eye contact. I barely knew Dana, but I could see her thoughts. Her soul, her life. She could see the same in me. It was unforgettable to know that she was looking and concentrating 100% on me, but both of us were just as vulnerable. And by the end, when we met, I wanted to hug her because I felt like we shared an intimate moment more than anyone else had shared at camp. <laughs> but we shook hands and we parted. <laughs> Today I feel how much I'm going to be getting out of this camp. I hate that it will end. I want to go to school with these people and be around them 24-7. They're all so open-minded and accepting of one another in every activity we do. You never have to worry about sounding stupid or feeling dumb. No one will let you feel it. We do very abstract activities and everyone does them 100% with all their emotions, not half of them. There's a definite trust here. It's not just a camp, it's a fellowship of friends. This next part's a poem. I see your face. I see your protective shell. I judge. I talk to you. I hear your name. I hear your life. I know you. I look into your eyes. I see your soul. Day <laughs> four. I want to be able to act well. No, I want to be real, not act. I want to be. Am I learning about acting? Yes, but also about people. Can I handle some of them? No. Can I hide it? Yes. I'm also having a hard time sharing my attention. At Hoover High School, there's Kevin Doyle. I admit, it's me and only me. It's not conceited, it's the truth. I'm looked up to, respected by all. Here, I don't get the spotlight and I have to earn respect. But it is good, I'm learning that because this is what it will be like in the real world. Wow, you know the feeling when you know something for sure? Well, I guess I do if I'm asking myself. I am certain that theater is it for me. I love entertaining and role-playing others' lives. I can be anything in the theater. All I need is a chance and I can transform into anyone. 
That is what I love about it. Today we saw a production of Picasso at the La Pena Gilles. Tony Garcia, our movement instructor, played Picasso. He has some Mayhor Talento. Amalia, our counselor, is super cool. She did a monologue from Diary of Anne Frank, and it was awesome. She is Jewish and could really understand the character like someone else would not. I have a little thing for her, but boys will be boys, haha. She is really cool, the type I'd be friends with in college. I want to keep in touch with her, definitely. I think I'll have a good chance of coming to Indiana University, and in that case, I'll get to be friends with her. The best class overall so far has been acting. We did a risky acting exercise today. You look someone in the eyes and you say the first thing that comes to your mind. If it's good, great. If it's bad, better. <laughs> Megan and Esther did an exercise together and Megan said to Esther, who's Jewish, you're a fucking kike. <laughs> Jewish too, it gave Esther the chance for a real authentic reaction. Then as they repeated back and forth, you're a fucking kike, then why am I such a fucking kike? And back and forth and back and forth. The repetition, repetition gave them a chance to express real emotions. I had my audition today and I go up and I get to a line and I totally blank. Luckily, Steve Decker was cool about it and just told me to start over. I did, and I went through the whole thing. I got good feedback. AK said, this monologue is you, dude. It's all you. Which is unusual, because the character's name is Daisy. I felt it at the time. It was not acting. It was me and a character working as a team. I spent the whole night discussing religion, college, and sexuality with our counselor, Matt Z. While Niall, Evan, and Nick and the other boys looked at porn. <laughs> Matt is really cool, and I got to talk to him about being gay. I told him a lot of people at my high school think I'm gay. It's probably because I wear tight clothes and love theater. <laughs> I've never wondered if I am gay, but I've certainly tried to see if I am. <laughs> I just get bogged down with people thinking I am, so I want to make sure. <laughs> the, thing... <laughs> the thing is, is that gay no longer means lights, tight clothes, theater, and singing. And if that's the definition, then I can admit, yes, I am gay. <laughs> but not homosexual. <laughs> At movie night, we watched clips of American Beauty, Schindler's List, Billy Elliot, The Princess Bride, The Usual Suspects, and Apocalypse Now. <laughs> the singular reason they were all good is the actor's honesty, period. <laughs> we stayed up till 2.15 in Matt's room talking, and it was hilarious. <laughs> Amalia was there, and I know her, I like her now, because I'm at the point where I get paranoid of annoying her, and that's mean I that means I like her. I don't know whether to tell her or not, because she's our counselor. <laughs> Everyone at the camp has affected my life in so many ways. Megan Sass is a genius-level theater scholar. 
She knows a lot about plays and whatnot, but while at first I thought she was annoying because of her knowledge, I respect her now. <laughs> I've become so much from this camp. I've gained patience and friends, lost my clean mouth, and most important, <laughs> I swore a lot, I guess. <laughs> and most important, become an artist of the theater. Not an actor, an artist that paints on the palette we call the stage. P.S. <laughs> today, Amali and I got matching wristbands. During the final performance, I was afraid I would mess up. I didn't. I let my lines come to me, not me coming to my lines. I was right in the moment, just like it was happening to me. I think when I get a character dead on, I feel like I can conquer the life of him. Well, on my way home now. Don't ask me how it happened, but the two weeks slipped through my hands like hands full of sand. I made a new family, but this one will never be together again. I enjoyed learning about theater. I feel a thousand times better. But more than that, I enjoyed the people. I learned about Jewish beliefs and culture from Esther Kim and Molly and Kim and Megan. I met Matt, who helped me understand gay people more. He's a hilarious person. Tony Garcia and AK taught me so much. AK encouraged me to do theater. He did say I needed to work on voice and movement. The person I connected with most was Amalia. From the first day when she did her Anne Frank monologues, I liked her. I could tell she had some sort of feelings for me, but I respect her responsibility in not showing it beyond friends because she was my counselor. And hey, maybe I'm wrong, but I felt it. I didn't cry today. But I will miss these people so much, and I had one of the best times of my life. Thank you. Uh, yes, so soon after I got back from that camp, uh, I did decide I wanted to do theater, and uh, I found a conservatory, and then I moved to New York City, and a few years ago I wrote an off-Broadway show that ran three performances in Times Square, and I still write, and I still perform, and I still paint on this palette that we call this palette. Thank you. 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 Thank you.